Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from the Red Light District of Vatican City, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 349. One more. One more to 350. Hmm. We're almost at a round number again. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Don. And today we are going to discuss being an expert. What's it like being an expert? And this is because of a request that was made at the bottom of the in, or letter last week, but we didn't like address it because it would take too long. So we're going to give a whole episode now to what's it like being an expert? And uh, an expert what? Yeah, an expert is stamps, obviously. I don't know. It's an open, it's an open statement. You know, you can be an expert in anything. Well, I watched uh, 60 Minutes, and uh, there's an expert on birds. Mm-hmm. Ornithologist, right? No, birds don't exist. This this guy, you know, ornithology and everything. It's all BS, something or other. Birds are actually manufactured by the government to survey people. They have little cameras in them. Really? So what was that you picked up that was dead in our backyard last week? Uh, must have been a uh, drone. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I, did, I didn't investigate it very well. I mean, you, they put feathers on drones to make them look like birds, I guess. Hmm. You mean like they do with the cell phone, the cell phone towers? Where they yeah. put leaves on them? <laughs> oh, yeah, those are very realistic looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Looks look- just like a pine tree. Yeah. <laughs> I thought birds were dinosaurs. Yeah. Modern day dinosaurs. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, anybody who uh, is interested, and it is a very enjoyable watch. Watch the 60 Minutes on Birds Don't Exist. It is very, very, very interesting. It's actually very, very good. Right up my humor sort of I think they need, they need to hang out in our backyard because it's, you know, between rodents and birds you have to remove a lot of carcasses well it's like so if they ain't believers just let them dissect one of those uh, remains in our backyard well one of the uh, things that they talk about is you know when the birds are sitting on the electric wires that's when they're recharging their batteries (laughs) (laughs) you you got it and this made it on 60 minutes this is actual news now okay explain Explain, I mean, have, have birds always been robotic? Because, uh, you know, there's been birds sitting on, like, 
telegraph wires and telephone wires since, you know, before the internet. You mean like really, really early drone technology, right? Mm. I'm not I'm not so certain. Little clockwork birds up there. You have to wind them up every now and then. <laughs> I think I saw that in, what was it, Clash of the Titans, I think it was. So anyway, being an expert. <clears throat> and again, you know, this is PSE. I'm sure the PF, PSAG, APS, we're all the same. You know, we, we all do basically the same techniques and the same way of expertizing and stuff. But a person will mail in their items. They'll say, here, I have a 596, and we've talked about 596s plenty of times. Uh, no, you don't have one, but anyway. So uh, you send in a stamp, and as a matter of fact, funny thing is uh, 513, the two-cent really super expensive Harding stamp, the black Harding 613? stamp. 613? I'm sorry, 613. Mm -hmm. um, a person wrote in and said, I'm just really curious, you know, how much is it going to cost to certify this? And I said, well, if it's real, you're going to hit the maximum, which is uh, 500 bucks. But you're going to have, you know, a $50,000 stamp. If it's not, then it's going to be $25. He didn't think that there was a possibility of it not being the really expensive <laughs> stamp. Well, that's an easy, uh, yeah, so easy like, decision. Eh, you know, and gen just FYI, generally speaking, when people send those things in, Marina, who is who receives all the mail, she'll take it over to me and say, uh, here, and uh, then I'll look at it because uh, it's really easy to tell whether or not it should be submitted. And generally speaking, we return it and we charge the person $5 for stamp identification. So a lot of those aren't going to make it to Don and Mark and me. Oh, sometimes they make them to me, and I'm the one that catches it. Yeah, okay. Although I missed that cover last week. <laughs> Tell them about the cover. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a really cool-looking cover, and uh, I can't remember the, no, the number of the stamp, but uh, I was putting it into the system, and I... You know, called Cash over. Hey, take a look. This is really cool. And he looks at me and pulls it out and starts filling the stamp. He says, "This is a photograph." <laughs> I go, "Oh crap!" <laughs> and then so then I look at it, and sure enough, you know, it's it. You know, I look. I turned it around. I looked at the back, and it had like a flap. No, that's not opening. It's, you know, yeah, there's no bridge. Yeah, this is definitely a photograph. Yeah, it was a photograph of a great-looking cover, though. Oh, it was. That's why I even looked at it. It was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Look at this. Which is probably why somebody took a photograph of it in the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm, probably. So anyway, uh, let, let's assume that it actually gets submitted. It's not caught in the beginning. And we'd, and by the way, uh, that cover, that one got past everybody. Once we enter it into the system and take the picture of it and do all the paperwork, we've got some costs put into it. As a matter of fact, we have kind of some, some significant costs put into it. Well, that, that got caught in scanning. Yeah, so mm -hmm. unfortunately, that person is going to get charged. So they're going to pay 35 bucks for a, fo uh, for a photograph. Um, like I said, generally speaking, we try to catch these things early. But this one made it through too far to give them a free ride. So it was a good picture. 
It was a, it was a, that was a great picture. <laughs> it was a really good picture. It I was. mean, well, the thing was is until you touched it, until you felt it, you couldn't tell that it was a photograph. Yeah, exactly. But, it, but as soon as you felt it, you felt that it, the stamp and the paper and everything was all flat. Hmm. When you look, sign, yeah, yeah, when you looked at it, it looked like a cover. Wow. When you felt it, it was all flat and it, it wasn't glossy it wasn't a glossy photograph it was like a matted photograph mm -hmm. so you know somebody obviously somebody thought it was cool and they submitted it and don even said it was cool i thought it was cool but then i said okay let me touch it uh-huh <laughs> and, and that's where it all fell apart and that's when it all <laughs> fell apart <laughs> Which is what my uh, ex-girlfriend used to say. So the stamps, uh, when they arrive, they're immediately put into holders, mm -hmm. um, so that they uh, the, so there's no possibility of getting damaged while it's in scan and uh, and getting processed to be sent upstairs. Right. Mm -hmm. But things I, it was about a year ago, and uh, Tom comes you know to my desk and uh, tell him who Tom is because you know. Tom used to be the engineer. Yes, exactly. So I thought mention, uh, dropping his name you know, would be like, oh, yeah, we remember him. But um, anyways, he, he comes to my desk and he says, I want you to take a look at this stamp. And it was, you know, already at an expert. And I took a look at it and I looked at it under a loop and I asked him, why is it pixelated? <laughs> <laughs> and it was obviously a print off from a printer. Hmm. Mm -hmm. which is also how we tell uh, fake overprints because a lot of fake overprints are done on like laser jet printers and stuff and you have some pixelation that appears so one of the ways of expertizing overprints is to put it under a loop and again a mm -hmm. loop is just a 10 power magnifying glass that goes over one eye and ours has a little light in it so you know it's all lit up but you know a 10 power uh, lit loop and uh, all of a sudden you see that it's not printed flat from like a flat plate or a lithograph plate. It's digitally entered onto the stamp, which has little dots. The printing is made up of little dots. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, the 10 power uh, loop is sufficient for uh, the work that we do here. But we do have um, binocular. Mm -hmm. It's a binocular. That's what it's called. Yeah. Oh, the binocular. Yeah, mi microscope. Yeah, binocular microscope. Um, to that's one where it goes. It looks like a um, actual binoculars, except that instead of having two lenses at the end, it just has one lens. One. At yeah. The end. Yeah. So that uh, that brings it up to uh, what fifty power or something like that. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's typically not not unless we see something under ten power that looks suspicious. Um, do we break out the the fifty power? Yeah. And, and we try to avoid the 50 power anyway because uh, when you get too big or too high, everything's a fault. Yeah. 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 Every step is a fault. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah, to, to, to qualify as a fault, a stamp, uh, it, it's got to be something that you can see readily in the 10 power. Yeah. And for something to be written on the certificate, it's got to be something that you can see with the naked eye. Yeah. You know, knowing where to look. Mm -hmm. So, um so yeah, there, there's a lot of times when uh, when a stamp will have, uh, you know, minute uh, issues that you can see, 
very easily with the 10 power, but when you hold it at arm's length, it disappears. And so that kind of stuff, it doesn't go on the cert because... It's normal printing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, you're, it's, you, you're making a thing out of pressed wet wood pulp that then you're <laughs> running through a printing press and throwing ink on top of. You know, there's going to be little stuff. If you called every fault on a stamp... It's like, oh, the paper fiber is uneven in this end. It's like, well, so what? Right. <laughs> I mean, the market doesn't warrant it. Yeah. Maybe one day the, you know, the grading system will change, and uh, grade 100 now has to have even uh, paper pulp distribution or something weird. Right. Yeah, but that's not where we're at now, and that's why you know we tend not to use the 50 power. Yeah, and we and we and we de generally call stuff out that is going to make a difference to the collector. Um, certainly, a collector is going to be concerned if a stamp is regummed, uh, reperforated, uh, you know that kind of thing. Yep. Um, but uh, but if it has a piece of straw, you know, on the face of the stamp that you know is not very visible when you hold it at arm's length, you know, that's not something that uh, that a collector would say. Yeah, that that's a faulty stamp. Well, there was one I remember a while back, and I forget the fellow's name, and I apologize because I know he's a listener. Um, he was talking about there was crystals in the ink where the ink had a certain pigment in it that crystallized, and it was a three-cent banknote, and I think the five-cent also. And uh, so this crystallization of the ink, he was you know, seeing if he could get it listed as a variety in the Scott's catalog. And, you know, we did it and we looked and we agree with him. Absolutely, this pigment has something in it that is crystallizing. It's a, some element that they used in the 1870s is turning into little crystal. But I don't think anybody cares. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if nobody cares, then, you know, it's just a variety that, you know, you know, good luck trying to find somebody who cares about it and will give you an extra buck for it. Right. So anyway, so uh, you get the stamp and it's put in the holder mm -hmm. to protect it. Right. And it's also, um, uh, I don't know what the word would be, um, uh, uh I can come up with lots of great words. Uh, autonom <laughs> autonomized? Autonomized? Yeah. Whatever. Well, because uh, downstairs, the the submitter is known, but when the stamp gets upstairs, oh, yeah. yes. the submitter is unknown. Yeah, we, mm -hmm. we put it onto a blank worksheet and take all the references of who submits it away and file it in a file drawer that's going mm -hmm. to read rematch the stamp later on because we have to mail it back and charge everything and everything. But that's all removed so that it's... Just a number. Autonomized. Yeah, right. I guess autonomized must be a... Yeah, so when I when I see a stamp, um, I have no idea who the submitter is. Mm -hmm. um, it could be an auction house, could be, um, you know, an individual. Um, it's It's completely unknown to me. So I'm just looking at stamps, and I'm looking at a lot of them. What kind of stamps do you look at? Uh, I mostly look at, um, uh, at uh, I would say, the uh, vintage category and mid-century. That's, that's where most of my uh, submissions or most of my um, um, stuff that's assigned to me uh, falls. And uh, just for everybody's information, there are four categories. There's classic, 
which goes up to 1900, vintage, which goes from 1900 to 1937, then uh, mid-century, which goes from 1937 to 1972, and then modern, that goes 1972 to yesterday. And so those are the four categories, and they have different pricing. Uh, classic stamps are hard. They, they're very old, and they were printed in various ways, and there's a lot of varieties to them. So uh, the cert on that costs 35 bucks. Uh, from 1900 to 1937, you're into the much easier period, except for the Washington Franklins. This is also the time period where you have all the coils. Right. The Perf 12s. Perf 12s and everything like that. So you have a lot of coil faking and stuff like that that has to be checked out. Those are 25 bucks. Then from 1937 to 1972, it gets really easy really quick. Yeah. Because people don't, generally speaking, reperforate them because the margins, well, excuse me, I'll take that back. They reperforate them. But there's no way to reperforate them that looks anything close to what they normally would look like. Uh, you don't have straight edges that need to be removed, stuff like that. And then regumming, it, it's all the rotary press gum. So, you know, unless you have a way of uh, regumming with gum ridges, you know, it it's not that. Right. So generally speaking, uh, in both areas, uh, mid-century and vintage, most of the stuff is submitted for grading. In vintage, or excuse me, in mid-century, almost everything is for grade. Right. The identification is very easy. It's almost all graded stuff. There are some varieties, but not many. And then from 1972 to today, uh, that's 100% grading also. Because of the ease of it, those certificates are only $10. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's how the pricing works. Every company has its own different pricing. Um, we have different pricing than the PF because PF doesn't have four categories. So, like, uh, their prices are more stable than ours. Ours are actually more complicated, but they're more complicated to save the person money because otherwise nobody would submit a three-cent commemorative to get graded even though when it's graded, if it's graded very high, you can very easily have a 15-cent stamp turn into a $200 stamp. Right. So, But that business would totally disappear. Nobody would do it if you had to pay $35 a cert. So <clears throat> it gets autonomized, and then it gets to your desk. Right. And, uh, and well, actually, it goes to several desks because... The stamp first has to be measured, um, and that's uh, that's an independent process. Um, then the stamp has to be uh, um, uh, first based uh, by someone who's going to look at the stamp, identify it, identify any faults, uh, that type of stuff, and uh, and and note them on the worksheet. Then it goes to a second base, which does the exact same thing as the first base, but builds on. Uh, on what was found in, in, in the first glance and uh, or, or first examination. And it goes to the third base. And then it goes to the, to the third uh, uh, finalizing. Yep. 
and um, and that's where the the uh, the where the combination of the first two is is looked at, and then uh, and then the finalizer uh, makes a final decision on on what the opinion should be. And generally speaking, the finalizer, who by the way is the best expert, but uh, the finalizer looks at the two opinions and see if, sees if they match. If they they disagree with each other, the finalizer makes the final call. That's why we call them the finalizer. If the two agree with each other, generally speaking, the finalizer just sort of rubber stamps it and it's on its way. Mm. Mm, yeah, I know. There there are some differences like... Uh, Sometimes he'll override everything. Well, yes, but, <clears throat> but generally speaking, when he overrides everything, it's because uh, the we have two finalizers and they are experts on reperfing. Mm-hmm. And I would say that 99% of the time when the finalizer disagrees with the other two opinions, it's because the other t- the reperfing is of such a high level that the other two people missed it. Exactly. That's true. And just FYI for people, uh, reperf rating happens on a one to four scale for us. We, we classify things as one to four. Number one is something that, you know, anybody could do, you know, with scissors or something, you know, a lot of, you you get the perfs wrong or the perfs aren't even perfs, you know, they're just sort of cutouts and stuff like that. Uh, level one reperforating is pretty much anybody can detect it. Level two is more difficult. You have a little bit more skill level involved. Level three is where you start getting difficult stuff. And that's where you see a lot of the fake coils that are made. Fake coils are generally third level. And then fourth level, there are people out there who have actual reperforating machines that do really, really good jobs. And they will cut an oblong hole or they will rough up the edges or they will they will file the perf tips and stuff like that. So these are the people who are doing things generally on more expensive stamps. You know, you don't find these on cheap stamps because it takes work. They put, you know, a good amount of work in each stamp. And the level fours are the ones that get missed. Everybody here can detect a level three. Most people can detect a number two. And everybody who's listening should be able to detect a level one. So that's just uh, where the overturning happens, like I said, about 99% of the time. And and I think we discussed it before about uh, the people who do reperforating. Uh, there's two different motivations. One is to uh, improve the looks of a stamp to make it more attractive uh, for your collection. And the other is to uh, purposely try to cheat a collector. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's, um, you know, it's something to consider. Yeah. So like one of them, you know, people remove straight edges because of... Back in the 1920s, everybody thought straight edges were ugly. Right. In Britain, they remove wing margins. People, I I personally kind of like wing margins. I think they're kind of cool, especially when you have a nice sock on the nose cancel. And, you know, that extra little bit of paper puts a really nice cancel there. Well, there's a lot of people who perforate those off, remove the wing margins. And, uh, you know, it's to make the stamp look better. But they're not really trying to deceive so much. They're trying to make a nicer looking item. Mm-hmm. 
Then, like you said, there's the flat out people who take an imperforated stamp and perforate it to make it something like a 519. 519 is a two cent well, Washington head red two cent stamp that was it was an old paper stock that was found. They it was during World War One. They said, "Hey, uh, we're not going to throw those away. Run them through the perforating machine." So you had literally twenty year old stamps uh, that were perforated with the modern perf eleven with a modern mm-hmm. perf eleven. Yep. And that's a common item that I see a lot of. And uh, unfortunately, it is a rare stamp. Uh, don't buy one without a cert. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so you second based or first base? What, what is first basing? What do you when you first base a stamp? What do you do? Uh, well, the first thing is to identify it and and see if it's uh, because the the worksheet will show you. Well, this is what the um, submitter identified the stamp as. Um, you know, this is a uh, this is a, a three forty nine. You know, rare coil. Um, so you know, the first thing is you got to look and 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 see. Well, is it really a three forty nine or is it you know? Uh, something else, you know, was it was it uh, a uh, imperforate that's made into a coil, that kind of thing. So um, you identify the stamp, make sure it's genuine, uh, and uh, you're going to check the gum, you're going to check the perfs, you can check for faults, and uh, and and write down basically everything you see. Um, even and, and at and when you're in first and second basing, you're going to write stuff down that you don't necessarily think is going to be end up in the uh, on the certificate. Um, but you want to get everything in there um, so that um, there's also a, a, a historical uh, record um, that can be looked up later because um, PSC saves all these worksheets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so, if, uh, you know, 20 years down the line, um, you know, you get a stamp and, and you say, gosh, I wonder why, you know, they missed this crease. You know, you can look up on the worksheet and say, well, maybe they noticed the crease but just didn't put it on the on the certificate, it didn't merit it. Yep. So, Don, how do you detect faults and creases and stuff like that? Dipping the stamp. Dipping. Oh, that sounds exciting. What is mm-hmm. dipping? Well, that is, well, you use good old Ronsonol lighter fluid. And uh, you have like a little tray or something and put that on the back of the stamp have the stamp upside down, put that on there, and you're looking for things like watermarks, um, repairs, creases, thins, stuff like that. And you often smoke while doing this, correct? Absolutely. I got my big old stogie out there. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that seems like those... We've had stamps come in that just, they smell like cigarette smoke. And oh, yeah, we have. Um, yeah, I mean, just noticeably. And I'm just thinking mm, lighter fluid, paper, and uh, you're going to have a cigarette. Okay, I don't think that's a good idea. I think Scott used to actually note on the certificate smoke damage <laughs> uh-huh. when, when, when it's really bad. Yeah, at, at, at the uh, lunch today, shout out to everybody who come, came to lunch, uh, we were talking about that in Jim uh, Forty. He was actually talking about dipping his stamp, not seeing anything, then pulling the stamp out. And as the stamp's drawing, all of a sudden you see a crease mm-hmm. as the uh, Ronsonol evaporates mm-hmm. and it causes what we call a flash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so 
And that's a fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not readily seen mm-hmm. with the eye. A lot of time people go, oh, man, it's creased. Where? It's like, well, dip it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes, you know, you see the flash and then you put a powerful light on the stamp and you say, oh, oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it can, it can fool you. Um, you know, because the ink and in the in the front of the stamp, especially because you're mostly looking at the front of the stamp, mm-hmm. um, you know, your your eye misses uh, uh, stuff like uh, creases and, and things like that, you know. Sometimes it's hard to tell a repair in a crease. Sometimes it can be very, very close, you know. Mm-hmm. I ran into that. Yep. Where, you know, the expert said it was a crease, and I looked at it, and I'm like, uh, I kind of think this is a repair. And there is a big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the cool things about being an expert here, though, is that um, there's all kinds of stamps that come through um, the shop, and you get to see some really exciting material. That's true. Um, things that are that are you know special printings and so forth, where there's you know only a, a few hundred sold, and uh, and you get to to look at these stamps and 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 see you know what makes them so special. I've seen and touched and dealt with I think almost every single stamp the the one sent magenta came through PSE before I started here Scott has dealt with it I think Scott has dealt with is Scott Murphy who is uh, one of the 100 most or no they didn't have put a number on it yeah. but most influential philatelists isn't it like he's in the 100 top Influential, but, but there were less than a hundred. There were yeah, like, like seventy-two or, or seventy-four or something like that. So there were a hundred, but sixteen of them are missing or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that just that, that seems to me it went in the dark place. Yeah. I don't want to talk yeah. about that now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so Scott has dealt with, touched, examined, tasted, tasted <laughs> <laughs> one of every. Every single stamp that was issued in the United States, and that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. I mean, most people haven't even seen one of every stamp. I mean, the special printings in particular are very difficult to find, and things like that. So, and there's and there's also a big difference between like seeing a C3A and being actually able to handle a C3A, mm-hmm. and you know, turn it upside down and check it out and. Yep. That's fun. <laughs> so then uh, after uh, Don and Mark and all the other experts, these are not the only two experts. We have many experts. Uh, then it goes to the finalizer, and the finalizer finalizes it. And then it goes downstairs, and the certificate gets typed, and then proofed, then stuck in an envelope, and then uh, you get charged, and off it goes back to you. So uh, that's kind of life as an expert. Yeah. <laughs> Rinse and repeat a couple hundred times a week, and uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the job. Easily. Anything else anybody want to add? Any cool stories you heard about something? or? Uh, what fascinates me um, is uh, when, when you get stamps that have been faked, but not faked from the normal stuff. You know, typically you'll you'll get a stamp and and uh, like a uh, uh, perf twelve coil, and they're always faked from one particular type of thing. You know, like four oh nine or something like that. Um, but every once in a while, you get a fake that's 
that's uh, a, something that's been faked from another completely different stamp that's out of left left field, and and uh, <laughs> that's really interesting. I mean, that's that's kind of exciting to see, and and uh, one of the things it's not exciting for the owner. Yeah. No, absolutely not. One of the things that I saw, and you bring it. Uh, I mentioned before uh, U.S. number six thirteen, the two cent Harding. We found, or somebody submitted, a six thirteen, which was actually a six eleven that they stretched. What they found a way to sort of stretch it. How you have no clue how they did? It. I mean, all you have to do is stretch it, you know, half a millimeter. But they stretched it. The problem is, is when you stretch it, none of the perfs match up. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be perf 11, and now it's some other perf because you stretched the stamp. But that was, in my opinion, of all the fake stamps that I've ever seen, and I have no clue how they did it, um, that was the most interesting. Hmm. Uh, the second most interesting is, remember, the two-cent... Uh, inverted Pan American that came through. Right. And we've seen plenty of fake two-cent Pan Americans with the uh, center inverted. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, they remove the center somehow. Uh, we've seen them where they have uh, cut it out and then pasted in a new one. And somewhere they have sanded it off and thinned the paper and then rebuilt up the paper and put a new train on top of it so we were we were examining it looking at the train and this one was weird they removed the frame around the train the train was real mm -hmm. and the frame around it was reprinted <laughs> and that was an interesting one that was very very interesting because we put it in the vsc uh visual specter uh which very expensive piece of equipment, you know. The normal person doesn't have any chance of really owning of really owning one. But when when you put it in next to a normal two cent, um, the frame disappeared. It just totally disappeared, <laughs> and it was just like, wow, this is neat. <laughs> so there's a lot of ways people are faking stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the stuff we find really neat is the stuff the owners don't find any humor in at all. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, they, they uh, and there's a lot of people who do get disappointed, um, especially, God, buying stuff on eBay. Mm. If you're buying stuff on eBay and it, you're paying significant money, get a certificate. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some... A, dodgy sellers on eBay. And some that just don't flat, flat out don't know. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's quite a few that are trying to rip people off. Well, yeah, but I'm just trying... I'm, I'm just showing both sides. Uh, that, okay. Because, you know, <laughs> we, we see a lot of people that come in here and they don't know what they have. Yeah, that's true. Well, we see a lot of people who come in here who know what they have and they have the really, really valuable number 596s, and they go, I have, what are you saying? <laughs> How can this, look? And then they show me a picture on the internet. Right. Yeah, it's, like, it's always a picture on the internet. And I go, well, here's a Scott's catalog. Or they show a picture of their stamp next to a ruler. 
<laughs> oh. oh, those are always good. <laughs> yeah, those are bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're, we're, we're knocking 596s. Oh, we, we also knock uh, Chinese counterfeits. We get those in. People uh, say, you know, and we don't charge certificate prices for that. But they go, uh, you know, I just bought these. Uh, can you check them? And we go, yeah, they're fake. And they go, okay, sending them back. That's a real easy check. Yeah, fake, fake modern postage. Yep. Well, the stuff we got from Jane. Yep. The Christmas stamps. Yep. Now it's part of our reference collections. Yep. Well, if you uh, want to be an expert, that's uh, what you're looking forward to. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Collecting happens when we dream together.